and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms that we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. I want to say it's a great joy to welcome you to Sunshine USA. Uh, many of you have been listening for a long time now, bearing in mind I started doing Sunshine USA back in 2012, so for well over a decade now I have been producing uh, these programs uh, daily and weekly, and it's been a labor of love because I enjoy teaching people the Word of God because I know that the Word of God is powerful. I know that the Word of God is inerrant, infallible, and it is the perfect Word of God. The Bible changes lives. I could tell you countless stories of people whose lives were totally turned around simply by reading the pages of this book right here called the Bible. Amen. And so uh, I thank God for those of you that listen on a regular basis. Now, most of you know, here on the Spotify platform, which we're on right now, uh, I normally teach through the New Testament, going from the first chapter in Matthew right on through to the last chapter in Revelation. In fact, right now we're in... Romans chapter 3, and we'll continue our study in the book of Romans in the next broadcast. But I want to do something a little bit different on this broadcast. I want to take the time to share with you my story. The story about how I came to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. I get a lot of emails and text messages from listeners who want to know more and more about me. And that's understandable. Because, you know, you want to learn all you can about your Bible teacher, and I can certainly understand that. So from time to time, I like to take the time to share my testimony about how I came to know the Lord and some of the things that have transpired in my life since then. Now, I want to start off by saying that I'm very grateful for the fact that God saw fit to bless me with Christian parents, parents who love the Lord, Parents who saw the importance of me going to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And we got involved in all the activities of the church. I got involved in the youth ministry. During the summertime, I got involved with Vacation Bible School. And boy, it was just exciting. Uh, And I have to admit, as a little boy, I didn't get a lot out of the regular worship service when I was growing up because our pastor, he was a seminary graduate who used all these highfalutin words and I had no idea what they meant. (laughs) And most of his messages went right over my head. But then, long about 1966, 1967-68, we started going to my grandmother's church on the other side of town. Now, the church she went to was a lot different. The pastor of that church, man, I tell you, he really loved the Lord. And he preached the gospel in a way that was very simple, very basic, very easy to understand. And the more he preached the gospel, and the more he talked about this thing called the second coming of Jesus Christ, also known as the rapture of the church, the more I began to realize I may not be ready for this. 
Now, I kept telling myself that I was. I kept telling myself, you know, Warren, you're a pretty religious guy. I mean, after all, I mean, here you are going to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, here you are going to the youth group. You're involved in youth choir. I was involved in the visitation ministry. I was doing so many different things, but something in my heart didn't write. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I said, well, maybe I'm too much of a sinner to go to heaven. But I didn't really think I was much of a sinner because I wasn't old enough to commit a lot of sins and other sins, I had no idea what they were. I didn't even know how to spell them, let alone commit them. And uh, at that point, though, I began to realize something is missing. I needed to be saved. And I can remember going into my mother's bedroom and I told my mother how I felt and we got down on my hands and knees and she and I prayed and I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me and he did. Now, I didn't understand everything there was to know about being a Christian at that point. There was obviously a lot of theology I didn't know anything about. A lot of details about the Bible I didn't know, but I, I knew then that I was saved. But then came the question, should I be baptized? Now, I'd already been baptized, believe it or not. I was actually baptized at the age of seven. But I got baptized for the wrong reason. Me and my friends, we wanted to partake of the Lord's Supper. We wanted to get involved in the Lord's Supper. But, you know, the ushers kept telling us, no, you can't have the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper is only for those people that have been baptized. So I said, that's the thing. You have to be baptized in order to get the Lord's Supper. So I told my friends, I said, hey, let's get baptized. And so we got baptized. Now, I didn't realize it then, but, you know, basically, I went into water a wet center. I made a dry center, and I came out of wet center. Nothing really happened. But now, I knew I was saved. I prayed with my mom and asked Jesus to come in my heart. And so, the question was, do I need to be baptized? What do I need to do about that? Well, my thinking was, I didn't really need to do anything because after all, I was baptized at the age of seven. And so what if I didn't get saved till 14? I was at least baptized and saved. But I realized that the order was important too. Because when you realize what baptism is, <laughs> baptism has to come after you're saved, not before. And so I remember going down the aisle of my church and I told the pastor my experience, and we agreed that I needed to be getting a Christian baptism, and so I was baptized again at the age of 14. Now, once I got saved, I can't tell you I started going to church more because I was already going to church every time the doors were open. But I can tell you, all of a sudden, going to church had more meaning. I can't tell you that I read my Bible more because I was already reading my Bible every day. But what I read in the Bible took on more meaning. 
because now I had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, by the time I got into high school, I began to realize that it was my responsibility as a Christian to tell other people about Jesus. It was not good enough for me to keep Jesus to myself. I needed to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, another thing is my mom. I had a brother and two sisters, and we were all going to different schools. And my mother took us to school every morning. And she would actually take me first because I was the oldest. And she would drop me off at Carolina High School, which is where I went here in Greenville, South Carolina, all four years. And then she would drop off my brother and then my two sisters. But because of that, I got to school, since I was dropped off first, I got to school usually about 30 minutes early. And we had this wooded area across the street from Carolina High School, right behind what is now Welcome Baptist Church. And there's not as many woods back there now because they've built more homes and businesses in that area, but back then it was a pretty wooded area. And I would go into the woods every morning before school, and I would have a time of praying and reading my Bible, and later on, I would even practice some of my sermons right there in the woods. I just made sure that I looked at my watch so I wouldn't be late for class. I knew it took me a good five minutes to get to class, so I had to stop soon enough in order to get to class. And I I can tell you, I was never late. I was never late going to class. But um, I then began to realize I needed to share the gospel with real people. I mean, I was already preaching to flies and mosquitoes and frogs and birds and snakes. But I wanted to preach the gospel to real people. And so I had a brainstorm. I said, I'll, I'll preach for five minutes in as many classes as they'll let me do it. Now, this was a novel idea back in the 1970s. I had some teachers that weren't exactly sold on the idea, but I said, you know what? I said, you have to take five minutes out of every class to check the roll, right? And, you know, everybody's rowdy and they're talking and they're throwing paper airplanes. What if we had organized activity during that five minutes? You could check the roll a lot faster and a lot easier. And they said, yeah. And, but they said, yeah, no, the Supreme Court says, you know, you can't read the Bible. And I said, I didn't talk about reading the Bible here. I said, any verses I use that strictly memorize, no Bible. <laughs> of course, I would memorized quite a few verses of Scripture by that time. But during all four years that I was in high school, I had about five out of six classes where every day I would do a devotional, and then later, as I began to realize that some of my classmates were Christians, I let them take turns also doing the devotional with me. So it was truly a group activity. And I know that a number of people in those years got saved. I know that many of those that got saved went on into the ministry. So I thank God for that. I tell people that the graduating class of Carolina High School, 1974, that was my first congregation, even though it was a public school. And then it was time to go to college. Now, that was going to be a challenge. 
Because now I have to tell you about something that happened when I was about 18 months old. Now, I was there, but I was too young to remember it. But all my life, my parents have told me about the fact that when I was about 18 months old, I uh, fell out of a car. And naturally, of course, they rushed me to the hospital. Now, bearing in mind, they didn't have seat belts, seat belt laws in those days. So I was sitting in the front seat with my mom, and I was playing with the door handle. And the door came open, and out I went. Onto the pavement. Landed on my head. And then I landed on my butt. They rushed me to the hospital. Of course, I was crying and screaming, and the doctors examined me, and then they examined me some more as time went on. And they began to realize that there probably was some brain damage. But they were not sure of the extent of it or what kind of an effect it would have on me. They said this would become evident in many years. Well, of course, um, I could tell you that I had all kinds of academic trouble in school. In fact, I ended up repeating the first grade and the sixth grade after dropping out of kindergarten. So, I mean, my academic record was not exactly impressive. And a lot of the difficulty I had stemmed from what I believe was brain damage due to that accident that I had at 18 months old. But because of that, I had all kinds of difficulty in school. I graduated from high school, but just barely. I had high school counselors that were telling me, Warren, you don't need to go to college. You don't need to go to college. There's not a college in America that would take you. Your grades aren't nearly high enough. Even the lenient schools are probably not going to take you. Your grades aren't high enough. Now, I admit, my grades are pretty low because my grades were just barely, just barely high enough for me to graduate. But by now, I had already answered the call of God on my life to preach the gospel. And as the late great Oliver Green used to say, a call to preach is a call to prepare. And so I knew that I needed to go to college. Now, I wasn't sure how this was going to happen. My family didn't have a lot of money, and I certainly didn't have a lot of money. And I had high school counselors who were telling me, it doesn't matter whether you got money or not, because you weren't smart enough to go to college. Of course, my thinking was a little bit different. Do you go to college to get smart? Or do you go to college only if you're smart already? And I'm thinking, well, if you're smart already, you don't need college. But I knew that I needed college if I could get it. Like I say, my counselors kept telling me, Warren, it's a waste of time. So I prayed about it. And I started applying to colleges my junior and senior year in high school. And even though my counselors told me that I was not going to get accepted by any colleges, guess what? I got accepted by three. I got accepted by three colleges. I actually had a decision to make. Which one of these schools am I going to go to? 
And naturally, I couldn't wait to tell my high school guidance counselors. I said, you guys, you told me I'd never get into college. Well, guess what? I've got three colleges right here. I've got three letters of acceptance right here in my hand. You told me I'd never go to college. I proved them wrong. And guess what? In, in August of 1974, I went to college. Now, I don't, I don't mean to tell you it was easy. I mean, it was pretty hard. And, uh, and I have to tell you, academically, it was not impressive. Uh, there were courses I couldn't pass. Now, part of it was because since my guidance counselors told me that it was a waste of time for me to go to college, they didn't put me on a college prep program. They should have had me taking courses that I would need to take in order to do well in college, but they didn't do that. They said, Warren, the only thing you can pass are the easiest courses. So I signed up for basic math all four years. I graduated from high school, believe it or not, having no algebra, no geometry, no trigonometry. None of that. I don't know that you could do that today, by the way. <laughs> but I didn't take those courses because my guidance counselors exempted me because they didn't think I was smart enough to pass them. And you know what? They were probably right. And they were also right in that going to college was an academic challenge. I didn't make the best grades in the world. But I knew that if I was going to preach the gospel, I needed to go to college. Now going to college also, and especially going to seminary later on, it taught me another lesson. It taught me about faith. It taught me what it was like to really trust God. I remember one year I was in college, Financially speaking, I was scared to death. I didn't know how I was going to pay enough money to stay there. I went to college with $16. I didn't know how I was going to pay for the, for the tuition. I had no scholarships. I didn't know how I was going to pay for room and board. I didn't know how I was going to buy my textbooks and other school supplies. I had no idea. Not to mention, you know, the normal everyday expenses like laundry and stuff like that. And by the time I got to seminary, it was even worse. In college, we at least had a meal ticket. And I knew that three days, three times a day and seven days a week, I could go to the cafeteria and I had something to eat. They didn't have that kind of a meal plan when I was in college. I mean, the seminary. I was on my own as far as breakfast, lunch, and supper was concerned every day. So I went to bed at night sometimes not knowing where my next meal was coming from. I remember one day I'd had something to eat that day, but only a little bit. And I went to bed that night and I had no idea how I was going to eat. But... The Lord always has a way of answering prayer. Now, He doesn't always answer prayer as quick as we want. And He doesn't always answer prayer the way that we think He should. But some way, somehow, God always came through. 
And, I mean, you can look at me now. I'm not a skinny person. Now, when I went to college, I was pretty skinny, but I'm not a skinny person now. I've got a pretty big body. (laughs) I don't look like I've missed too many Big Macs. Amen. But the Lord taught me a lot about the importance of trusting Him by faith. Realizing that even though I don't see how he's going to do it at times, he will always come through. And the thing about it is, whatever God wants you to do, he will always supply the need that you have. Now, I'm not one of these get-rich-quick preachers. I'm not one of these prosperity preachers. I don't think for one minute God's promised to make anybody a millionaire. But I do believe with all of my heart that God will meet your needs. He will do for you what he says he will do for you. And that is a fact. And so in college and seminary, time and time again, I saw where the Lord miraculously came through. I also remember when I was in the seminary, I learned what it was to serve the Lord sacrificially. A lot of times we give money to the Lord if we have it to spare. And we do something for God if we can make enough room in our schedule to do it. But when I was in seminary, I learned what it was to serve the Lord sacrificially. When I went to seminary, I was blessed with a job of mowing lawns, cutting grass. And they were happy to pay me about $100 a week to do it. Now back in those days, $100 a week went a lot further than it does now. And if I had held on to that job, Obviously, I would have made it through all three years of seminary with no problems financially. But I had this desire to share the gospel with other people. And a door of opportunity opened up for me to preach the gospel on the campus radio station. They needed announcers, and I volunteered, and they accepted me. Now, I didn't pay anything at this point. They said, now, we'll probably start paying our announcers down the road, but not now. So I said, that's okay. I mean, I'll I'll work free for now, and that'll put me first in line when they start paying the announcers. So I quit my $100 a week job mowing lawns, and I accepted a position that paid absolutely nothing. But I mean, I spent 20, 30, 40 hours a week on the radio sharing the gospel. I was happy spiritually. (laughs) Now, financially, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills, but, you know, hey, it was a sacrifice, and I was only too happy to make it. And I remember also when I was in seminary, the door opened for me to become the pastor of a small local church. I was told there was a small church that needed a pastor, 
and they wanted someone to come every Sunday and preach for them. And I said, man, this is a great opportunity. So I sent in my resume. And to be honest with you, for a while I forgot all about it. But then, one day at the seminary I got a call from one of the deacons, and the deacon asked me, would you be willing to come to our church and preach? He said, um, you know, this will be a great opportunity for you. He said, there's going to be one other student that's going to come also. In fact, he's going to come this Sunday, and you're going to come starting next Sunday. We'll listen to both of you, then whichever one we like the most, that person will be it. I said, okay, that's great. So in two weeks, it was my turn to preach. Then right after I preached on Sunday night, the church committee held a meeting. <laughs> and uh, they were going to decide which one of us was going to get the call from that church to preach. And they decided on me. And uh, I was so excited. Now, you know, one of the things they taught us at seminary, they said, now, don't worry about the financial end of it because you can trust most churches to pay you the right thing. So I never asked any questions about how much this was going to pay. Now, the thing about it is I didn't have a car in those days. Now, by the way, uh, the reason I didn't have a car, frankly, is I didn't have enough money to have a car. Uh, of course, I didn't have a license either, but I thought, well, I don't really need a license because I don't have a car to drive. So for a long time, I went along without a license and without a car. So I, I got to this church every Sunday by taking a Greyhound bus. The round-trip ticket was about $75. And so that was a lot of money back in those days. And... Uh, so this uh, congregation decided I was going to be it. And uh, asked the deacon that night. We, he was taking me back to his house. I was going to spend the night at his house. And I said, well, what are, what are they going to pay me? I said, now, I haven't asked up to this point because I, I just assumed the church will do the right thing financially. He said, oh, yeah, we're going to take care of you. And he said, uh, we're, we're going to pay you 75 a week. And I, I thought to myself, well, that's good because that's what my bus ticket costs, but that'll take everything I got. And they said, we'll buy you some groceries every week so you're not going to go hungry. So, well, that's a good thing. Uh, and he said, you know, they didn't want to pay you that much at first. They, at first, they only wanted to give you $50 a week, but I said, you needed more than that, so that's when they settled on 75 a week. Of course, personally, I would have liked it to have been more, but I said, that's the way it is, so that's the way it is. But now, at the time, I was working as a security guard, making $175 a week. So you know what I did? I quit that $175 a week security guard job, and I accepted what I thought was the password of that church for $75 a week. 
Well, the first Sunday morning came along. We had the service, and we had a lady in the church. She printed up the church bulletin every Sunday morning. And I was reading through the church bulletin and said, uh, pray for our church as we search for a pastor. Well, that was weird. I mean, I thought I had just accepted the pastorate at that church. But, you know, I, I passed over and I said, you know, this is probably just a misprint. I mean, this is probably an announcement carried over from previous weeks. So I didn't think much about it. Well, the second Sunday, the same thing happened. Pray for our church as we search for a pastor. Once again, this was very puzzling to me because I thought I was the pastor. Once again, I decided not to upset things, so I let it go. I said, once again, this is probably a carryover from previous weeks. Well, the third Sunday came along, same thing. Pray for our church as we search for a pastor. So I finally went to the lady that was printing up these bulletins every week, and I said, I want to bring something to your attention here. I said, uh, as you know, I am the new pastor, and I don't know why you're asking the Lord to show you who your pastor is going to be when I'm it. She looked at me, she said, no, you're not. You're the interim pastor. I mean, you talk about something letting the wind out of your sails. I didn't know what to say. I was a little bit amazed because I'd made quite a sacrifice to be there up to and including giving up a $175 a week job as a security guard for a job only paying $75 a week. I took a $100 a week cut in pay but I didn't say anything further. But deep down inside, I was thinking, Lord, how did you get me into this situation? But I was there for about five months. One of the students I was going to school with, he lived in that area. This was Cajun country, after all. is in what they call the Bayou Country. And he knew a lot more about those people than I did. And I began to realize he was a much better choice to be the pastor of that church than I was. So after about five months, he took over. And so I thank the Lord for that opportunity. Not too long after that, I ended up in the hospital with the bleeding ulcer. You see, the Lord was about to teach me another important lesson that I would need to learn. I was overcommitting myself. I was working as a disc jockey at the Christian radio station that we had back at school. I was taking a full-time load and I was working as a security guard, then going every weekend to, to preach at this church. And I ended up passing out. They rushed me to the hospital, and they found out I had a bleeding ulcer. And I had a doctor that shared with me some very important advice. She said, Preacher, you got to learn how to say no. 
She said, your problem is somebody asks you to do something and you feel like you have to say yes. She said, you have to learn how to say no. You have to learn how to turn down some opportunities. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that she was right. And she taught me a lesson that I learned very well after nearly dying in the hospital with a bleeding ulcer. And I began to realize, I said, you know, God has called me to serve him. But he hasn't called me to do everything because he knows good and well I can't. Now, some of you suffer from the same thing. Every time somebody in your church asks you to do something, you feel like, hey, I got to do it because if I don't do it, I'm going to be in trouble with God. No, you're not. Because you see, God knows you can't do everything. What you need to do is to say, okay, Lord, what is the one thing that you want me to do? Or maybe what are the two things you want me to do? And you make that your priority. And then you learn to turn down the rest. Amen? Amen. That was a very important lesson for me to learn. Now, as time went on, it became very obvious that the Lord was calling me to be a bivocational minister. Because all this time I was single, and most churches wanted a pastor who was married and preferably with kids. I I remember one uh, director of missions that I met with while I was in the seminary, he was interviewing me about possible pastoral openings and his home state of Alabama, and he looked over my resume, and he seemed to be pretty impressed with it. But then he realized, hey, you're not married, are you? I said, no, I'm not married. And he said, well, when you get married, you schedule another appointment with you, and I'll see what I can do for you. And I said, well, you mean to tell me you don't think I could preach just because I'm not married? And basically, that's what he was telling me. And he said, well, you know, it's like this preacher. We feel like if you're not married, all you can do is preach about heaven. I said, sir, are you trying to tell me something about your marriage? I didn't know. Well, needless to say, especially after that comment, I didn't get anywhere with him. So I began to realize a lot of my ministry was going to be bivocational. I still preached anywhere and everywhere I had the opportunity to do it. And the Lord did open up a lot of opportunities for me to preach at different churches. But I also worked at different jobs. I had some other security guard jobs. I worked for a temp service. I um, did some work with a construction company. I did some retail jobs. did some fast food jobs. So, I mean, it was pretty clear. God was using me as a bivocational minister. Now, you see, that wasn't a bad thing, and I think God had a purpose in that. You see, God wanted me to see what it was like in the real working world. You know, some preachers, they get up on Sunday morning, they get in the pulpit, and they're preaching to the people, but they have no idea what the working people in their congregation go through. It's hard being a Christian in the workplace. 
And it's hard for you as a pastor to preach to working people if you've never been a working people yourself. So the Lord allowed me to see what it was like in the workplace. And I think overall, it's made me a much better preacher. Now, of course, I devote my time exclusively to the ministry. I'm retired as far as secular work is concerned. But I still preach the gospel. And of course, the main area where I'm preaching the gospel now is here on Sunshine USA, a ministry that I started over a decade ago. And during the time that I was in New Orleans, the Lord opened the door for me to work at a couple of different Christian radio stations, and it whetted my appetite for radio. And I didn't realize it then, but God was preparing me for the radio ministry that I have now on the Internet. Also remember that back when I was younger, I said, Lord, if you're calling me to preach, I would like to go to Africa to be a missionary. And so for a long time, I felt like God wanted me to go to Africa to be a missionary. But I've had a lot of health problems over the years, including very a very serious case of asthma. And the mission board said, you know, we can't use you as a foreign missionary because of your asthma. You've got to have very good health if you're going to be a missionary overseas, especially in Africa. So they turned me down. And I felt very disappointed because I still felt like God wanted me to minister to people in Africa. Well, guess what? With the ministry that I have today, here on Sunshine USA, I preach the gospel to everybody in the whole world, including, guess what, Africa. I have listeners in Ethiopia, in Kenya, in the Congo region. I have listeners in South Africa. I have listeners in South America, Brazil, Central America. I have listeners in Europe and Asia. I'm not sure about Antarctica yet. I would like to think I've got listeners in Antarctica, but I don't know. I do know I've got a couple of listeners in Australia, and at least one in New Zealand, but I'm not sure about Antarctica. But I figure, well, maybe penguins need to hear the gospel. And besides that, I knew that there are some scientists in Antarctica, and they probably have access to the Internet, so they could tune in to Sunshine USA if they know about it. So what this radio ministry has done for me for over a decade now, it's given me an opportunity to share all the gospel with all the world. And I thank God for this glorious opportunity. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we've been, in recent weeks here on Spotify, we've been studying the book of Romans. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul makes the statement, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Notice what Paul says here. He says the gospel of Jesus Christ has power. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change lives. Change lives. Folks, when I get to heaven one of these days, I think it's going to be a glory hallelujah meeting. When I get to see people who have been saved down through the years as a result of Sunshine USA. Not to mention the joy of being reunited with Christian relatives and loved ones. Getting to meet all the heroes of the Bible, Paul and Timothy and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Moses, Abraham, all the other great men of faith. And when I realize that heaven is going to last forever and forever and forever and ever, I get so excited and then I get sad. And the reason I get sad is because I know that not everybody's going to heaven. You see, in order to go to heaven, you have to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then guess what? <laughs> you can't go to heaven. You're going to spend eternity in this terrible, awful place that the Bible calls hell. Now, if you go to Luke chapter 16, you'll see where we have an account of a rich man and poor man. They both died. The poor man died. And he went to heaven. The rich man died and he went to hell. And in both cases, the assignment was permanent. Those who go to hell realize, or soon will, that there's no escape, there's no second chances, there's no do-overs. Once you go to hell, it's permanent, it's forever. How many of you have family members, sons and daughters that are unsaved? Do you realize if you're saved and you die today, you'll never see them again? If you want to see them in eternity, the best thing you can do is find a way to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and do it before it's eternally and everlastingly too late. Amen. Now, you know, it's very interesting. Physically, I'm more limited than ever before. As I look ahead to the future of my ministry, I don't see myself traveling a lot. In fact, believe it or not, getting in big crowds is very difficult for me. It's very hard for me to get in big crowds. Uh, I remember a few weeks ago for my 69th birthday, my brother wanted to take me to a baseball game. I said, no, I just can't do it. I said, it's too big a crowd and I'm not handling crowds too well these days. So in many ways, I'm more limited than ever before. But yet, through this internet ministry called Sunshine USA, the Lord is giving me the opportunity to preach to more people now than ever before. And even though I have any number of ailments that could very easily take my life, the reason I think God 
keeps me alive on this planet is because he still has people he wants me to preach to. He still has people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he knows I'm more than willing to do it. Amen. And so I've already made up my mind, however much time I have, whether it's a little time or a lot of time, I want to spend my remaining days on this planet preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to be totally sold out to Jesus. And I want the same thing for you. If you know Christ as your Savior, I want you to be totally sold out for Jesus. I want you to become totally committed to this idea of sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world before it's too late. You know why we don't have more soul winners today? Because I think somehow... We as Christians have bought into the fact that nobody's really going to hell, but people are going to hell every minute of every day, including many people that you love and know. And you might be the best person to tell that person about Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Because if they're still alive and you're still alive, there's still a chance that you can reach them. Now, the purpose of my program today is I wanted you to have an opportunity to get to know me better. I wanted you to hear a little bit about how I came to know Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, you know, we only have an hour on this program. And as I started preparing this message, I began to realize even in an hour... It's not really possible for me to share everything. So if you want to write me a letter, if you want to send me an email, I'll be glad to tell you even more. The best way and quickest way to contact me is by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. Now those of you that want to contact me by uh, snail mail, the old-fashioned way, you could do that as well. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510. That's apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And any way you contact me, I'll be more than happy to answer you. I'm the only one on staff here at Sunshine USA. And I do what I do strictly as a volunteer. I don't get paid a dime for doing this program. I do this program only for two reasons. Number one, I love God. And number two, I love you. I want to reach you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to teach you the Bible. That's my whole reason for being here. I hope that this broadcast has helped you a little bit in terms of getting to know me better. But most of all, I want you to get to know my God. Because I know that whatever God has done for me, He's more than willing to do the same for you. 
Until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.